This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hello, everybody. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have Dr. Morgan Francis joining us. She is a licensed counselor and a doctor of clinical psychology, and she will be here to talk to us a little bit about this word that almost every single one of us has experienced at one time or another, which is grief. I think now more than ever as a global community, we are experiencing this together. And as Dr. Francis will talk to us about, grief can range so much in scope from you know losing a parent or a loved one to having your routine change and or a loss of job or you know there's such a a wide variety of spaces in which grief can live so i'm so excited to have you here today to share some tools with our audience to help support them during this time so let's dive into this conversation around grief and full disclosure, as I was preparing for this, I was like, why am I finding it so hard to come up with questions for her? And then I was like, you know what, other than losing my grandparents, which of course was sad and, and hard to go through, um, but it didn't feel traumatic. It didn't feel traumatic because they were all like, well, like well into their eighties and nineties. Um, so there was a loss for sure, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel traumatic. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have experienced grief in the way that I imagine it to be knock on wood. I can't even handle that. I'm saying this because I feel like the universe is going to give me some opportunity to work through grief, which I, I'm okay with the fact that this is like the one thing I feel like I haven't had to navigate. So I was finding it hard to come up with questions because I hadn't been through that experience. And I'm curious to know, is it possible to experience grief in other ways than through death? Yes. And to be honest with you, most people share exactly the same sentiment as you just did. They think that they have to have gone through something really traumatic and in order to understand grief and loss, such as the death of a child or the loss of a parent or a sibling. And the reality is we experience grief and loss way before we actually lose a person in our life. We may experience grief and loss by the attachments that we were or were not provided in our childhood. So if we were rejected, if we were abandoned, if we were told to be quiet, to be seen and not heard, if we were told that we're not good enough, if we were um, kind of cast aside because our parents were going through maybe something of, them, of their own, then that in itself is loss. Um, if you've been in heartache of a breakup of relationship, if you've been through a loss of a job, if you've been through the loss of a pet, if you've you know, thought like, hey, this is like this plan of your business, of your entrepreneurship. And then with COVID, all of a sudden you've completely lost your financing. You've lost your backing. You've had to use um, your, you know, your savings that you, would, you swore to yourself you would never touch, but that's the only way you can keep your business afloat. 
that is all loss. And so I really encourage people to broaden their definition around grief and loss and recognize that you and all of us have been through loss again and again and again. We just didn't know that that's what it was. So right off the bat, I noticed that when you're describing grief, you're using the word loss almost always in conjunction with it. So is grief the motion that is attached to the loss of something? Yes, exactly. So the loss of something is tangible and then grief is the emotional experience with it. But grief can show up as anxiety. Grief can show up as depression. Grief can show up as sadness, confusion, anger. Um, it can show up as an, in a whole host of different experiences depending upon the person. So um, what I try to do is I try to make sure that I explain that there are three um, I call them U's, like the letter U, to grief, to help everybody okay. understand their own grief process. Would that be helpful for me to go into for you? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> yes. So as you mentioned before, um, you know, with COVID and the pandemic, right now we are experiencing the first U, and that's universal. So right now our grief is universally experienced, you know, worldwide. We've all had to you know, really develop a new normal. You know, things have been taken away from us. Concerts, traveling, family gatherings, church, sporting events, all the things that we took for granted, like handshakes and hugs, yes. all have been canceled or taken away. And so we are experiencing this as a universal loss. So we all on some level can, what it's called collective grieving, we all collectively are grieving universally together as a world. Now the second U stands for unique. So what I mean by this is your loss is unique to you just as my loss is unique to me. Mm -hmm. A moment ago, you know, which again is very common, you were expressing something along the lines of, well, I just don't know if it's that significant for me because I haven't experienced loss as someone over there, right? Meaning like they've had it worse. Yeah. And I see this all the time with people when even it comes to trauma, like, well, I haven't had it as bad as this person. And the reality is, yes, that is true. There is always going to be somebody that you can find that's had it worse than you, but the pendulum swings both ways. Mm -hmm. So just as much as you can find somebody who has had it worse, I bet you can find somebody who hasn't had as bad as you. And so it's really important that we refrain from moving into comparative suffering because anytime we do that, really we're sending this indirect or subconscious message to our experience that our pain is not worthy of being seen and being heard or mattering. And mm -hmm. that's really what we need to do is we need to be able to allow everyone's unique experience with grief to be what mean is meaningful for them because everybody deserves to be seen, heard, and matter. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I hear that all the time with my clients too, not so much in regards to grief, but in regards to relationships with food and their body. Well, I don't have it as bad as her or my weight never got to that point. And it really doesn't, um, it doesn't take away from their own experience at all. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Why is it important to own our grief, to own our emotions and to not move into that thinking pattern of, well, I should just be grateful for what I have, or my experience wasn't as bad as their experience. There's that, that 
that constant conversation that we're hearing about positive psychology and giving gratitude and recognizing all that you have. But I also think that there's a certain level of importance in regards to allowing what you're feeling to truly express. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you. I think it's really helpful to have gratitude and to try to see what, um, what is this trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, there's, there's like a lesson in everything that, you know, that happens, you know, it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. But, you know, here's the reality. When you've gone through a traumatic experience of grief and loss, if you've lost your business, if you've lost your job, you really are not going to be in a place where you're accepting the loss, right? Where you're, I'm never going to accept the fact that, uh, you know, if, if a child died or a parent died or a sibling died, like that's just not going to happen. So what's going to be much more effective, and this is, again, um, kind of um, down the road, is to be able to find meaning. So Mm -hmm. meaning is basically one of the stages of grief, which I can go into for you a little bit here, um, that's most recently added by Dr. David Kessler. And he, after losing his son, um, he was able to identify, you know, there's meaning in this loss. It doesn't mean I agree with the loss. I will never agree with the loss. I will never agree with the loss of the pandemic, but I may able be able to find meaning um, with this loss. So it's meaning after the loss. Yes. And again, this might happen for people. Let's say you did have a child that passed away. You may be then going to that high school where your child went and explaining the effects of drugs and alcohol. I lost my brother when I was 16 years old. So I've been personally, I've been through grief and loss. So me being able to talk about grief and loss during a time of, you know, a a pandemic is my way of finding meaning back to help others navigate their way through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Another um, example would be, let's say you're going to run a 5k and run awareness and funding for leukemia because your grandmother died of it. That would be finding meaning. So there's many ways that we can find meaning that doesn't take away from the significance of what we went through. Thank you so much for sharing about your own experience as well. And it's always so incredible to chat with people who have really found energy and motivation and meaning and purpose from the challenging moments that they've experienced in their life. So I appreciate you sharing that. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. Okay, going back to the three U's, you mentioned the first one, which is universal, the second one, which is unique. What is the third U? The third U is that it's uncertain. We have so much uncertainty because the life that we were living is no longer there. And, and that's very real for all of us right now in this pandemic. Our normal is not normal anymore. Just like there was pre 9 11 and post 9 11, we are definitely going to have pre COVID and then post COVID. So uncertainty, I think, is um, a a spectrum, right? And so on one end, certainty, all the way on this end, and then certainty is over on the other end. So we have a very wide spectrum. Most of us love having certainty, right? That's why we love our people. It sets the stage for our day. We can set our intentions, right? We love having certainty because it gives us a sense of control. And if you are a professional, perfectionists like I tend to be, we really love being on this end of the spectrum, right? However, life has happened to us. And now we have, as Brene Brown calls it, FFTs or effing first times, where (laughs) uncertainty and we're we're here and uncertainty for all my perfectionists, this feels vulnerable. I can't control this. It's unpredictable. But here's the thing with uncertainty, and this is what I would really try to remind my patients about. With uncertainty comes possibility. And we have to have the hope of possibility because we are all being called to redo life in a way that we never knew we needed to redo, that we never knew we needed to look at, that we never knew that we need to slow down and really collectively be in tune with. And so with uncertainty is a whole host of possibility. Girls, in case you missed it, I'm so excited to announce that we are hosting a virtual girls' night called Girls' Night In, which is going to be full of real, raw conversation with special guests, including the one and only Caitlin Bristow, Sarah Nicole, The Bird's Papaya, Ariel Astoria, Kat and Nat, Mick Zazon, and so many more amazing women. It is all going down live on Wednesday, May 27th at 5 p.m. PST. We'll be having a little happy hour. No topic is off the table, but surviving coronavirus and finding self-love set the tone. I don't know about you, but throughout this whole coronavirus thing, there really has been nothing like that real raw conversation with my BFFs to brighten my day. 
Girls Night In is just that. So if you have been riding the roller coaster that is this global pandemic, if you need to feel a little bit more normal about how you're dealing with everything from the stress to parenting to body image to relationships to the big feelings that you're feeling during this time, if you are somebody who just needs a freaking girls' night out right about now, I want you to click the link in the profile, buy your ticket to Girls' Night Out. It's $22, and all proceeds are going to the Canadian Mental Health Association. So once again, that is Girls' Night In. Click the link in our show notes to grab your ticket before they're gone. I will see you there. I imagine when you're talking to people who are in that grieving process that that a common question that must come up is like, how do I move through this faster? I am not comfortable in this space. Get me back into my comfort zone. What do I do in order to expedite this period of of grieving? So do you have um, any thoughts on that? Can we speed up the process? (laughs) What, What are the tools and tricks for getting through grief? Well, one of my favorite tips, specifically when it comes to uncertainty, is that because people, this feels, like I said, very uncomfortable, like you're just highlighting here. And people are like, how do I get through this? Like, I don't want to feel uncertain. And the reality is you've actually been through uncertainty before. You just didn't know it. Just like you didn't know you've been through loss before. And this is what I have people do is to get out a piece of paper and ask themselves this really important question. What have you been through? What have you overcome when you didn't know the outcome to? So what have you overcome already in your life when you didn't know the outcome And the reality is we have so many examples in our past to show us that we've been through uncertainty before. For instance, I bet when you, maybe when you got married, you didn't know the outcome, right? I mean, we're hoping for the best. We're hoping that our marriage is going to work out, but we really don't have a guarantee that it's going to work out well. Or if you've become a mother, you don't know the outcome. You, you, again, hope that you're going to make it through the day, but you really don't know. But little by little, one step in front of the other and you figure it out. When you took that new business adventure, when you took on that new business project, when you took on that new do-it-yourself home improvement, you didn't know how it was going to turn out, Mm -hmm. but you did it anyways. So you have overcome uncertainty time and time again. You just didn't identify it as uncertainty. So going to past experiences and coming up with past evidence can really help a person feel much more safe in their emotional experience. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Just being able to breathe in the space that they're currently in. Okay. So they're in this space of uncertainty. They're grieving. Um, Let's use the example of a parent being lost or somebody has, you know, lost somebody uh, from COVID, for example. And we're talking about that kind of loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, can absolutely see how understanding and acknowledging and recognizing that you've been through hard things before, that you can get through this period of time as well, um, is going to be so pivotal in giving you the strength to, to continue forward. Is there, is there a, a series of stages that we have to go through in regards to grief in order to pass through it? Um, and again, I'm going to ask, <laughs> ask the question. This is such an Aaron question. How do we get through it faster? <laughs> we, how do we move through it? Are, are there things that we can do to support ourselves um, during that time? Well, it's really important to know that grief is not something that is, there's no end. It's a part of you. Just like love is a part of you, like you always will, will love, you will always grieve once you lose someone or something that had meaning. 
going to start to walk you through the each stage of grief so that you and your audience knows exactly what the stages are. Okay. okay so great. The first stage is denial. Okay. So again, these stages are not something that I developed. These stages are tons and tons and tons of anecdotal research developed originally by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, and so she first um, identified denial. So denial is the idea that we are wanting to live in our preferred reality, not our real reality, mm. real reality painful, but our preferred reality. So let's take the example of a person who has been portrayed, betrayed by their partner in, in, the, in the case of infidelity. So there may be like, how could this happen? There's no yeah. way that she could have done this. There's no way she could have been lying all this time, right? So that is the denial. You don't want to be in your reality because the reality is so painful. So you want to think and stay in your preferred reality. And I can even think right now, almost everyone as coronavirus was starting to happen was likely in denial. This isn't actually happening. This right. isn't, we're not going to get sent home from work. This isn't going to come to the U S this isn't going to be a part of Canada. And then all of a sudden you're actually living it. So that's a less traumatic example of how, you know, denial might show up or come into play. Yeah. And to be honest with you, there may be still people living still in denial. Yeah. Even with all the deaths and all the, you know, the research, yes. that, like they're still like, oh, it's not me. It's, I'm not going to get it. Blown out of proportion. You know, with young adults in college, and, and I mean, a lot of young adults are like, what's the big deal? I really don't understand it. Yeah. And so there is this sense of denial. And denial protects us. Denial protects us from the reality that we are in because, again, the reality is too painful. Gotcha. Okay. So stage one, denial. So anger is the second stage in the stages of grief and loss. And the reason that anger starts to, I think, collect is because now we're starting to move into our reality briefly. And mm -hmm. anger gives us something to control, something to blame. Mm -hmm. And we're feeling so, in a sense, powerless with denial. Anger brings us back to that sense of control. So we want to say, well, it's your fault that this happened right? We want to cast blame. We want to be angry because it gives us a sense of like this power. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I think going back to that spectrum that you had of control and lack of control in an experience where we're moving into that uncertainty on the spectrum, we're going to try to want to find control in some way. And one of the ways of doing that is to, as you said, blame something else, point the finger um, and, and find find a reason as to why this is happening, right? Yeah. Like as human beings, we don't like that uncertainty. So we need to, we need to, to find um, something to, to blame or some, some reason for why it's happening. Yeah. And a perfect example, you know, with, with, you know, grief and um, with death, we want to blame the medical team. We want to blame the doctor. We want to blame the universe. We want to blame God. We want to blame the driver. We want to yeah. blame you know, our bodies, we want to blame, you know, whatever we can, let's say you're, you experience a miscarriage, how many times have women blamed their bodies? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. a very, very natural, common reaction for women when they've gone through something so traumatic as that. So yes, we want to have anger and, and anger again, gives us that energy and that fuel. And then the third stage is bargaining. Bargaining is really interesting because we get into this place where we're in like, we're pleading, we're pleading with the universe. If I do this, will you give me that? So yes. if, I become, if I become sober, can you get this person back in my life? Let's say you were working with an alcoholic. 
if I am a better Christian, can you please bring back the person that I love? If I go to therapy and get help, will you take me back in the marriage? Let's say we're looking at infidelity, right? Mm -hmm. So we're pleading, we're pleading, we're begging, we're, we're trying to make um, an agreement with God, with the universe to get back what we lost. This is resonating so much as you're writing this cycle out with um, somebody that I love who's gone through um, some a pretty couple of hard years in her own marriage around infidelity and just recognizing this pattern and the stages that her partner was going through as they dealt with that is it's just such an aha moment for me that he was grieving. He was grieving the loss of what, of what was happening and Um, his emotions fully showed that. Yeah. And you can have both partners going through their own grief cycle. Um, the person who, you know, made the betrayal and the person who's the victim of the betrayal. Right. Right. And I've explained to you with some of my, um, people that have been in infidelity and, you know, the betrayal is that like in here, in this space, we can have obsessive thinking. So we get into like, we're just constantly thinking about it, trying to gather information, going through the text messages, going through the phone records, going through everything we can in our heads to go back in time and say like, wait a minute, when they said they were in New York, were they alone or were they with this mistress? Or when he took that phone call at 7am in the morning, was that really his mom Mm. or was that her? You know, so you can start obsessing and then the person who's been victimized gets really angry. Like really angry at themselves or really angry at their partner. Um, and then, you know, you have the bargaining, like, why, how did I not see this? Only if I had more attention, then I wouldn't have gone through this, you know? Mm. Yes. Can you, can you move back around the circle as well? Like, can you go denial, anger, bargaining, denial, bargaining, anger, and like bounce around between all these things? Yes. And I love that you brought that point up. So when I get the more stages, I'll show you, but yes. So there's, these are not linear. Right. So oftentimes people think we go to A, to B, to C, to D. No. You can go every which way. And then you also can have your favorite kind of holding space. Let's say like you really love denial because yeah. denial, it feels safe. And you, don't, you just don't want to deal with Like you're like, I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know what he's doing. I, I just want to move on. Yeah. Right. So denial might feel really good for you. Where anger Anger is like, no, I want it. I want someone to be accountable and responsible for what happened to my child. Yeah. You know, you'll see, you know, where we go into the legal system and things like that. And, and again, a person has every right to be in their anger, but then maybe they were able to, you know, get the legal, you know, ramifications that they needed, but now they're angry at their partner or maybe they're angry at, you know, because you're not grieving the way that I think you should be grieving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see Um, when a family goes through loss of a child, I've often heard that it's very common for a relationship to fall apart after that. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. You'd think that, you know, you'd, you'd join together to get through that. But as I'm hearing this, it's like, of course, things would get complicated because as you said, the individuals are moving through their own process of grief. And that looks different for everybody. And it would be so easy to start 
to blame or to start to become resentful of somebody else's pattern of grief or the length of time that they're grieving or what that looks like for them. So this is just bringing so much clarity to me in regards to how this can impact not only individuals, but partnerships and again, looking outward into our global collective grief that we're experiencing right now and the reactions that different people are having and their responses to everything that's going on. Yeah. And I love that point you brought up, Erin, because, you know, having been in a home where, uh, you know, my parents lost their child, their only son, my parents did divorce a year after the death of my brother. And here's what I've learned about this. And this is what the research shows. It's not the death of a child that causes a divorce. Mm -hmm. It's the judgment about the death. So it's our judgment about how that person is or is not experiencing the death of the child. Right. So what I know with working with so many people who've been through traumatic experiences, judgmental people are traumatized people. Hmm. So we, it's, it's very natural for us to judge because when we have been traumatized, we go into our fight, flight, or freeze response. And the most natural reflex is self-protection. Right. And we don't become empathic. We don't become compassionate. That, that takes effort. That takes mindfulness, yes. conscious <laughs> healing. We go into judgment, judgment of ourselves and or judgment of others. Mm. Because if I judge you, there's no way I can allow, I, I'll be emotionally vulnerable and or emotionally intimate. Self-protection is a natural reflex that allows for judgment to show up. So that's what I remind so many um, people when I'm working with them is that judgmental people are traumatized people. So every time I judge something about you, it reveals an unhealed part within me. Mm, That's so interesting. Where would you say judgment falls in this cycle of grief? Is it a form of anger? Is it a form of, or does it not quite fall in this category or cycle? To me, judgment kind of can falls into anger, bargaining, and then the next one, sadness. If I'm a parent, I've lost my child and I, I, I don't want to clean their room. I don't want to pack up their belongings. I, I want their room to stay the exact same way, yeah. right? Again, the judgment could be, well, the dad's like, we've got to move this away. Like you can't, we, you know, we have to move on. And then the sadness is, no, I'm not ready to. The yeah. feelings of hopelessness and helplessness are very real for that person. And it's really important that we make the distinction here that if a person is experiencing depression, that does not mean that they are experiencing um, a depressive or major depressive um, episode. It means in relation to the bereavement and grief that they are experiencing. Ah, okay. So that can also fall under that stage of sadness, but it, it, it looks a little bit different than the depression that we're normally talking about in, in regards to mental health. It's correct. A reflection of the sadness. It's a reflection of the sadness. Yes. So when somebody's in this traumatized state of fight or flight and going through this cycle of grief, whether it's a friend or a partner or a parent who's lost their parent. So can you give us some examples of the language that we would use? Because I think sometimes people don't just, they just don't have the tool of the language or the sentence or what it sounds like to validate somebody's emotion without trying to fix it or offer a solution or mitigate, you know, the the experience. So pretend I had, was expressing that I was really struggling and, you know, was just having a, a hard day in regards to some form of loss. How would you respond to me in a, in a way that's helpful? 
it would make total sense that you're really struggling right now. Yeah, there's many reasons why it's hard for you to get through your day. I can see how painful this must be for you right now. Amazing. Those would be probably, yeah, again, it's just, maybe sometimes it's just listening, you know, yeah. just having the ear to hear and not, again, trying to um, rescue, trying to fix it, um, and just being there with them in that emotional experience. Like mm -hmm. if I see my daughter who's eight years old and she's upset with a friend of hers, I'm not going to try to tell her what to do. I'm first going to say, you know, where does it hurt? Tell me in your body where it hurts you right now, because grief starts in our bodies. And that's a really important thing is that we, you know, we don't recognize that because we just think we have a headache or that, you know, maybe I'm coming down with something or my stomach hurts, or I'm just not feeling overly well, but really, you know, grief starts in our bodies. And so I'll ask my children, you know, where does it hurt in your body? Can you show me? And then maybe they'll, you know, point to their heart or their head or their tummy. And yes. say, okay, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Why don't you tell me what happened today? And then they'll talk about what happened today. God, that had to be really upsetting for you. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. Let me, tell me what you did. Tell me what, what do you think was, you know, helpful for you? What was not helpful for you? What we don't want to do is we don't want to give unsolicited advice. We don't want to minimize the severity or the significance of their experience. Like, like time heals everything and, you know, making these kind of like positive psychology or, you know, kind of yes. Yes. Um, so, um, well, at least they're better off, you know, they're no longer suffering. Well, that may be true, but you're suffering, right? Yeah. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh my God, I am a classic fixer. And I've become more aware of this in the last year, but I almost have an uncomfortable reaction in my body when I think about just listening and then keeping my mouth closed and not trying to fix it. It is so much more empowering to provide and create space for people to step into their own strength, to figure out their own solutions, knowing that you are standing there ready whenever they need to. But for you to not offer the solution is really saying, I believe in you. I trust you. I know that you're going to get through this and I'm here when you need me. Yes. Oh, I've got chills now. That's it. That's, that's it. That's all. That, that's all you can do. It's all and you can. Do. And it's the most helpful response just to let them know that you're there for them to not try to go in and fix it, to take their pain away and just to learn to tolerate your own uncomfortable feelings with that. And that's, that's beautiful, Erin, exactly. So before we sort of uh, wrap this episode up, is there anything else that you feel is really helpful for individuals who are going through this cycle of grief or it's yeah. less of a cycle, more like bouncing around in there? Yeah. You mentioned so that grief is something that stays with us forever, but does the intensity of it uh, start to lessen? Like what is the experience as time passes? You know, it's a great question. And honestly, I've seen all different ways of it being played out. Um, you know, for me, it's been, uh, you know, it's 20 years since I lost my brother. So, I mean, if this, you know, I wouldn't be sitting up here in front of all of you if this was, you know, two years with even in the loss of him. So, you know, again, yes, I think over, over time we're able to tolerate it. But the reason I'm able to tolerate it is because I've done the work. I have felt my feelings. I allow myself to cry. I allow myself to get angry 
sad, you know, bounce around wherever I need to bounce around. And so, you know, again, like our, you, our grief is unique. So your grief is unique to you, just like my grief is unique to me. So my sister may have a different trajectory over what this looks like for her. So we experience something that's universal, right? We both lost our brother, but our grief is unique. And that's the second you. And there's lots of uncertainty as to how it's going to look for all of us. So that's why the three U's I think are so important because it doesn't put boundaries or time limits on our grieving experience. This has been so, so helpful. And for anybody out there who is grieving, no matter what that looks like um, or however it is presenting in your body, it's so important to know that you're not alone in this experience. And as Dr. Francis mentioned, this is something that is universal, that is um, experienced by everyone. So, you know, even if you're on your own trajectory or your own path, it's all right. As in there's no right or wrong way to grieve. It's all valid. And there is support out there for you. If you need it, do not hesitate to reach out. As you mentioned at the beginning, just because you feel like your experience is different than somebody else's doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid. So you can um, head on over to Dr. Francis's Instagram page, your website. Can you share those handles for everyone so that they've got them? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Dr. Morgan Francis and my website is www.scottsdalepremiercounseling.com. And there's a couple of things that I have um, free available for people. Um, if you go to my link in bio, there is um, an exercise about how to work through the circles of control. You were talking about control earlier. So it's a free template that they can practice. That template is also available in my online course loving yourself through loss, which is that digital course that takes you through all the five stages, now six stages of grief. Um, it's a downloadable workbook. Um, there is tons and tons of content. Um, and the modules are small. There's about 25 modules and they're about five minutes a piece. So you can take your Perfect. time. Um, and then also I have what's called um, mindful messages. So mindful messages are free text messages straight to your phone from me as a way for you to move into your conscious healing to not forget to take care of yourself their words of encouragement and wisdom um and so i can also give you that number aaron too and again it's a free service you just text oh yes it, text message it goes right into your phone Yes, we will make sure that all of this is in the show notes. So it's super easy for you to access it. As always, I want to make sure that you girls have all the tools that you could possibly need to support you um, from a host of incredible, incredible women. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's always such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I always have so many takeaways every time that we chat. If you also found that you had some aha moments or some takeaways that might support somebody else who is grieving um, or who has experienced loss in their life, please take a moment to forward this conversation on to them as a way of showing support. You can also click subscribe so that every single one of our episodes lands in your device for free. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, 
pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.